Oh, Father, how we love you. Because you first loved us. Father, thank you that you saw something in each and every one of us. And you called us at the specific time. We were sinking deep in sin. And we were far from the peaceful shore. Ah, but the master of the sea. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. At the appointed time, Father God, you called us by name and you saved us. And we thank you now. We thank you for this time you've given us today. We bless this day. We thank you for this glorious day you have given us. We shall never see this day again. We were here a year ago, Father God, thinking we were going to have service, ready to serve you. And then COVID-19 said, no, we've been out of this church for a year as far as a collected body. But we have not stopped being the church because the address will never define who we are. So we thank you, Father God. We're about ready to march back in. We're about ready to blow the shofar and say, here we come. Here we come, Centennial Community. We're back, we're back, we're back. And it's all because of you, Lord. Bless your service today. We know you already have. We thank you for the praise team. We thank you for our brother Scott. I thank you for your word, Father God. I can't lie, this has been a bitter, bitter pill for me to swallow because it hit me first. And I thank you for that. So, Lord, bless your word. Use me as your vehicle. That's all I am is a vehicle. No honor, no glory comes to me. All of it belongs to you, Lord. Bless your people as they are listening. And, Lord, let your word go forth. We know it will never return to your void. Do what only you can do. Be God. We love you. We praise you. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. Woo, y'all, I don't know if you can see me on TV or not, but I'm a sweaty mess. It's hot. It is hot. And I'm not, it's a little bit because of the temperature, but it's more because of the spirit. The spirit. Is, 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 the spirit is in this place today, and I am so grateful for that. And I, I just want to just thank my pastor for this opportunity to come before you. For those who don't know who I am, I may be saying, who's that little fat man up there? <laughs> I am Minister Stephen Gary. I am the associate pastor here at New Creation Outreach Ministry. And I am just humbled to be a servant of God and to be used by him today to preach from the oracles of God and what God has to say. So, without further delay, let's get into this. Let's get into this. Listen, this is our theme this year. Somebody may not even know. Somebody may have said, who's tuning in and go, theme? They got a theme at that church? Yeah, we got a theme. We got a theme every year. Every year, the pastor goes up on the mountain to get a theme from the Lord. This year, elevate. Know your why. Level up. You got to know your why. You got to know your why. You got to elevate. Are you ready to elevate? Are you, are you tired of staying where you've been? 
Don't you know God's got more for you? God's got better for you. But he said, I need you to elevate. I need you to elevate. You've been in the children's Bible long enough. You've been in the children's Bible long enough. Now go get you a real Bible, a regular Bible. Excuse me, not a real, a regular Bible. Let me teach you some things. Elevate, elevate. So this is our theme this year. And truly, as we have begun to elevate, we understand that with elevation comes some trials and tribulation as well. And, and we, are, we are facing these trials and tribulations head on. Head on. We are saying, God, if you're going to elevate us, if you're going to take us higher, then you got to help us too. You got to help us. You got to give us some help. And so we're thankful for our theme. And by the end of this year, we really want to see how many people have stayed true to the theme and have elevated. Amen? Amen. Listen, as we look at this year, Pastor laid it out. We're talking about hinds feet, having hinds feet. Our scripture from Psalms 18 and 33, he makes my feet like hinds feet. He sets me up on my high places. Yes, he does. We have these, these initiatives that we're, we're looking at this year. The preaching of Christ and the cross. That's all we do here. We preach Christ and him crucified. We don't, we don't preach a lot of junk. We ain't preaching no junk. Not a lot of. We ain't preaching no junk. This is not the candy store. This is, this is not that little, that little taco shop down the street. This is, this is the house of God. And in the house of God, you need some meat, some strong meat. The edifying and perfecting of the saints. Listen, I don't want none of my brothers or sisters to stay stagnant. Calvin, I don't want you not to see you grow. I want to see you grow, brother. you got to grow. And whatever I can do to help you grow, I'm going to do that. That's that, that edifying. That's that building up that we have to do. Listen, we as a people have done enough to tear each other down. Time to lift one another up. Amen? And so that's what we're going to do. We are light and we are salt. We are light and we are salt. Be light. Be salt. Quit hiding in the dark. Quit being bland. Be light and be salt. Amen? Sound the alarm. That's what I'm going to do today. That's what I'm doing today. I'm sounding the alarm because the wrath of God is near. We are closer to it than we've ever been before. So we must sound the alarm. Stay in step with the Holy Spirit. Oh, yeah. Stay in step with the Holy Spirit. Don't get behind. Don't go to the left or the right. And definitely don't get ahead. But stay in step. Amen. Amen. Those are our initiatives that we said already. Pastor said it. I'm just going to reiterate it. Amen. As a social pastor, I can do that. Special call, family, business, meeting. Are you a member of New Creation Outreach Ministries? Then I expect to see you at this meeting. If your church means something to you, I expect to see you at this meeting. If God means something to you, I expect to see you at this meeting. Next Sunday at 3 p.m., we're about to get back in the house, y'all. We're about to come back into 6-8, Regina. But there's some things we got to tell you. How we doing this? This ain't no willy-nilly stuff. No, no, no. This ain't no fly-by-night stuff. We've got a plan, and we need to get that plan out to each and every one of you. Amen? You. All right. Let's get into the word. Let's get into the word. 
Let's get into the word. Turn with me to James chapter 4, verses 4 through 10. James chapter 4, verses 4 through 10. Now, I'm going to be reading from the Amplified uh, version this morning, simply because I really, really like what it had to say and how it brought some things out. Whatever version you have uh, on your real Bible, as Pastor would say, or on your digital Bible, whatever version you have, that's fine. If you got a digital one, you can pull up any version you want. I know that because I got that app. But anyway, let's go to James. Chapter 4, verses 4 through 10. Again, I'm going to be reading from the Amplified Bible. Ye, you adulteresses, disloyal sinners, flirting with the world and breaking your vow to God, do you not know that being the world's friend, that is, loving the things of the world, is being God's enemy? So, whoever chooses to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Or do you think that the scriptures say to no purpose that the human spirit which he has made to dwell in us lusts with envy? But he gives us more and more grace, hallelujah, through the power of the Holy Spirit to defy sin and live an obedient life that reflects both our faith and our gratitude for our salvation. Therefore, it says, God is opposed to the proud and haughty, but continually gives the gift of grace to the humble who turn away from self-righteousness. Here it is. So submit. Somebody say submit. Submit. Type that in the chat. Submit to the authority of God. Resist. Type that in the chat. Resist the devil. Stand firm against him, and he will flee from you. Come close to God with a contrite heart, and he will come close to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your unfaithful hearts, you double-minded people. Be miserable and grieve and weep over your sin. Let your foolish laughter be turned to mourning and your reckless joy to gloom. Here it is again. Humble yourselves with an attitude of repentance and insignificance in the presence of the Lord, and he will exalt you. He will lift you up. He will give you purpose. Amen. Amen. Let's look at this video. Look at this video. This kind of puts us where we want to go today. Let's Let's see what this video has to say real quick. Amen, amen. Sin entered the world when Adam and Eve ate from that tree. And now that very nature to sin lives inside of you and it lives inside of me. You see, sin has this tendency to look nice and to entice and it feels so fulfilling at first that we forget it comes with a price. So we just keep living life believing everything's alright because nobody really knows what I did last night, right? 
then slowly this one-time sin begins to turn into an addiction. And we've strayed so far from God that we barely feel conviction. So the next day we take another hit or pick up the bottle. We say you only live once, so you gotta go full throttle. Or if I pop another pill or shoot up, I'll be fine. Or maybe the cure is looking at things that I shouldn't be online. Or we say my wife isn't good enough, or my husband's never there, so why in the world should I care that I'm having an affair? Or maybe it's no, we're not married, we're just having sex. Or we're just messing around, but we never go all the way, and the Bible isn't clear, so that makes it okay. And we just keep telling ourselves that it'll only be one more. So make sure you hit the lights and don't forget to lock the door. We continue to cover it up so that no one knows about it, but it takes us so far that we can't go a single day without it. And look what this addiction is doing. I mean, my marriage isn't right. My parents and I always fight. The future isn't bright. It's like I'm in this tunnel and at the end, there's no light. I'm ashamed of what I've become, but I pretend it'll be fine. No one can know how I truly feel, so I hide all of my guilt on the inside. I try everything I can to quit, but I just can't say no. I keep falling to this temptation and I feel so alone. God, where did you go? But here's my confession. That one-time sin turned into an obsession. I'm searching for answers, but ending up with more questions. How am I supposed to fight my way out of this depression? It feels like getting these chains broken will never be possible. But it's at this exact moment that we all need to hear the gospel. God sent His one and only Son to pay the cost of our sin upon a cross. And Jesus didn't come for the holy or the righteous, but He came to seek out the lifeless and the lost. He says, give me your addiction and I'll make you a new creation. And you run to me every time you face that very temptation. He says, put down the drink and put down the dope. Turn off the porn and let me be your hope. What you've done in your past doesn't have to define who you can be. All you have to do is find your new identity in me, a child of the one true king. I'll never allow you to take on more than you can bear, but I can't help you carry it if you don't bring it to me in prayer. So stop just sitting there, get out of your chair, and come into my presence. No, you don't have to prepare. And I don't care if you're a millionaire or on welfare, if you've got it all or you're going nowhere. When you come to me, there's no questionnaire and I'm not going to compare. Because before you were aware, I've had you in my crosshair simply desiring to repair and take care of you. You see, the truth is, there's nothing in this world that can separate us from the God above and His love. There's no addiction and no sin that He doesn't have the power to get rid of. When Jesus paid that price 2,000 years ago, our sins were washed white as snow. And we can overcome anything in His name if we just hang on and don't let go. Amen. Wasn't that a powerful video about sin, being an addiction? That was something else. That was something else. I really, really enjoyed that. Listen. As we begin our teaching this morning, I must preface it with a warning. This message is rated B.A. Intended for those who are born again. It is my express purpose to sound the alarm. As Lawrence Fishburne's character Dap did in the movie School Days. Y'all remember that movie? School days. He sounded the alarm. Let's look at this. 
Wake up. Wake up. <laughs> Sound the alarm. Wake up. This message is intended to wake us up today. Amen. <laughs> Have a little technical difficulty here. Listen, I need each of you to do me a favor. What I need you to do, I need you to go and I need you to find a compact mirror. Go and find you a compact mirror. And I want you to have it nearby. My wife is out there saying, you didn't tell me I needed a mirror this morning. Most of you ladies got one in them purses. Y'all carry everything but the kitchen sink in them. Go and get you a compact mirror. I had this little mirror. Uh, we, did a, we had a leadership conference here a couple of years ago, I believe it was. And uh, they gave us these mirrors. And there was a purpose behind these mirrors. The purpose of the mirror. I don't want you to be so concentrated on looking at your reflection. Terry, don't be checking out how suave you look. <laughs> That's not the purpose of this mirror. We're not to check our hair and make sure we ain't got nothing in our teeth. That's not the purpose of the mirror. What I want you to do, I want you to look beyond your reflection. And I want you to look inside of yourself. See, when we did this exercise in our leadership conference, that's what they told us. Look inside of yourself. Use this mirror to look within you. Today's message will cause you to examine yourself, to deal with the beam that is in your eye, and not focus on the speck 
that is in somebody else's eye. Amen? Beloved, if, if we're serious about elevating in 2021, then we're going to have to address certain key issues that affect our Christian walk. Amen? One of these key issues is sin. Somebody say sin. sin. Sadly, the universal church at large has tap danced around the sin issue for far too long. Christians have become disinterested in hearing the whole counsel of God's word and only want to hear what tickles their fancy or gives them that warm, fuzzy feeling all over. We treat God's word like it's a buffet restaurant. Y'all remember Golden Corral? Y'all remember Sizzler? Y'all remember Furs? You remember Ponderosa Steakhouse? I'm getting hungry up here, Terry. You remember Hometown Buffet? You remember Bonanza Steakhouse? You remember Old Country Buffet? See, like that, we want to pick and choose which parts of the Bible we will accept and which parts we will reject. See, Francis, I go to the buffet and I, I load up on mac and cheese, but I don't want no lima beans. But see, we can't do that with the Bible. Can't do that with the Word. We want the Bible, here it is, we want the Bible to fit what we are doing. All right. And we do not want to be conformed and transformed by the life-changing word of God. My, my. We must remember that God has called each of us to live a life of holiness. And that we each have a responsibility to walk in holiness. Paul admonished the believers of Thessalonica in 1 Thessalonians 4 and 7. For God did not call us to be impure, but to live a holy life. Be warned, beloved, that to continue to live in sin as a Christian is to go against God's very purpose for our salvation. Be warned, be warned, be warned. For, for the time God has allowed us today. I want to teach from this topic. Sin is not your side piece. Sin is not your side piece. Now, I know I'm probably going to lose about five or six of y'all on that one, but that's all right. Sin is not your side piece. We, we, we read our scripture earlier. But do you mind if I, I read this other scripture to you that I, I feel gives it a more simplified and direct translation? This comes from Eugene Peterson's Message Bible. This is what he said. You're cheating on God. If all you want is your own way, flirting with the world every chance you get, you end up enemies of God and his way. And do you suppose God doesn't care? The proverb has it that he's a fiercely jealous lover. And what he gives in love is far better than anything else you will find. It's common knowledge that God goes against the willful proud. God gives grace to the willing humble. 
So let God work his will in you. Yell aloud, no, to the devil. And watch him make himself scarce. Say a quiet yes to God. And he'll be there in no time. Quit dabbing in sin. Purify your inner life. Quit playing the field. Hit bottom and cry your eyes out. The fun and games are over. Get serious. Really serious. Get down on your knees before the master. It's the only way you'll get up on your feet. Hallelujah. Beloved, let's, let's point out some things that will help us to fully understand the context of our teaching today. The first thing we want to understand is God's word teaches us that as believers, we are married to Jesus Christ. We are his bride. Matthew 9, 14 and 15, Mark 2, 18 and through 20, and Luke 5, 33 through 35, all lend credence to this blessed spiritual union. As such, the spiritual union between Jesus and his bride, the church, is not to be taken lightly, not to be taken for granted, and not to be played with. This holy union is not married at first sight. I said this holy union is not married at first sight. You know that show. You, you know that. I know some of y'all out there know that show. I know at least two that know that show. I three, four, five. I know a few that know this show. You know, you know this show where you get to marry somebody you've never seen. Based on the analysis of some relationship experts, you live as a married couple for six to eight weeks. And then you get to choose whether you want to stay married or not. What kind of nonsense is that? No, the spiritual union between Jesus Christ and the universal church is forever and ever. Charles Haddon Spurgeon, dubbed the Prince of Preachers, issued this warning. He said, be careful, Christians. You that are married to Christ, remember you are married to a jealous husband. In Exodus 34 and 14, God told Moses as he went to receive the Ten Commandments the second time on Mount Sinai, he told him this, for thou shalt worship no other God, for the Lord, whose name is Jealous, is a jealous God. <laughs> yes, he is. Next, my brothers and sisters, we need... We need to de de define this term, side piece. We need to define that term, side piece. Now, from a worldly perspective, I'm sure I really ain't got to define it. If I'm sure everybody knows what a side piece is from a worldly perspective. But just in case you, you may not, in case you won't, in case you won't play dumb. From a worldly perspective, we understand that a side piece is a person that someone who is in a committed relationship, i.e. a marriage, secretly sees, secretly dates, secretly hooks up with, secretly has rendezvous with. The side piece 
is that person you can't be seen with. The side piece is that person you can't bring around family. The side piece is that person you keep in the dark. The side piece is that person you creep with. But from a biblical perspective, we need to understand that the side piece is whatever we, as the bride of Christ, have placed before God and given prominence and preeminence in our lives. I'm going to say that again. From a biblical perspective, we need to understand that the side piece is whatever we, as the bride of Christ, have placed before God and given prominence and preeminence in our lives. It is those things we say, those things we do, those things we think, those things we act upon that are contrary to the will of God. For the Christian, the side piece may have many labels, but ultimately it goes by only one name, sin. Beloved, we give in to the indulgences of sin when we have that side piece relationship with it. We are committing spiritual adultery. This is the last thing I, I want to bring out from this text. Without a lot of deep theological jargon, spiritual adultery simply means that you are in love with the world and have succumbed to its charms, its devices, its wooing and its cunningness. You believe its lies. You are captivated by the bright lights. You indulge in its carnal pleasures. And all the while, you wave in this banner. You wearing the t-shirt, got the baseball cap. You got the bumper sticker that says, I'm a Christian. Hmm. Now, the big question that each of us must ask and must answer is this. Get your mirrors out. Get your mirrors out. Get your mirrors. Get your mirrors out. Look deep. Look deep. Look deep. Am I breaking the heart of God? Am I breaking the heart of God? That's what we're trying to get to today. That's the big question we have to ask and answer. Other questions that should follow immediately after this one are, am I placing other things ahead of God? Am I living in such a way that people can see my light shining brightly? Does how God feel really matter to me? Brothers and sisters, if we're going to elevate, then we have got to quit talking about what God does. Because we know that he will do exactly what he says he will do. He told Moses, I am. I am encompasses everything. So he's going to do what he said he's going to do. No, we must focus on what we are going to do to please God and to advance his kingdom. In the text, in the text, James did not mince words or pull punches. James addressed these Jewish Christians who were scattered abroad in what some would consider rather harsh language. What James realized and what church leaders today need to realize is that sin must be confronted head on with tenacity and boldness. 
He opens chapter 4, not with the familiar salutation of dear brothers and sisters that we often see in the New Testament writings. No, James hits them square in the jaw with a knockout punch. He says, ye adulterers and adulteresses. Now, I don't know about you, but that was sure enough getting my attention. If somebody talked to me like, who are you talking to? Hold on now. Since, since they were being bold in their misdealing toward one another and with God, James countered their boldness with his own. Please understand, beloved, these were not unbelievers. They were converted Christians who were still carnal, still fleshly, still immature, and they were showing it through their choices. It was not that they did not have the spirit of God, but that they were still spiritually weak. They, as 2 Timothy 3 and 5 says, had a form of godliness, but denied the power thereof. They were choosing, choosing, choosing to fall back on what was familiar to them, what was comfortable for them in the way of character, understanding, knowledge, and vision of the world. And by this, they showed that Satan was still dominating their lives, still in control, and still their master. The good news, the good news, there's always got to be some good news, and that Jerry is that James is not ready to throw in the towel on these believers. He is not saying that these people are lost and on their way to hell. But he is warning them that they are heading in that direction because they were backsliding and had already been unfaithful to their call to faithfulness and their devotion to God. From the text, we gain counsel from James by understanding that we cannot straddle the fence between God and the world. He alludes to the no man can serve two masters principle that's found in Matthew 6, 24 and Luke 16, 13. And the neither hot nor cold, but lukewarm principle that's found in Revelation 3, 15 and 16. James informs us that when trying to understand the relationship between God and the world, we must see it as a black and white issue. There's no gray areas. We must understand that the warfare is fought on neutral zone, has no neutral zone to be fought on, excuse me. That the world, my brothers and sisters, will chew you up and spit you out. But God, but God, but God, but God, but God, but God will stick closer than a brother. A person cannot pursue his or her self-centered worldly ambitions and remain loyal to God. Can't do that. Can't do that. As Joshua told the children of Israel in Joshua 25 and 15, choose you this day whom you will serve. He went on and said, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Mm, yes, we will. We also know from studying the Bible that spiritual adultery was a common occurrence for the children of Israel. Over and over and over and over and over and over and over, and over again, God reminded them 
of their covenant agreement to be faithful to him. But Israel continuously played the harlot and went whoring after idol gods. Their rejection of God and his love for them is eloquently portrayed in the book of Hosea. And I'm going to strongly suggest that in your own personal devotional time, you read the book of Hosea to see what that was about. It is by understanding these Old Testament accounts that James is able to identify the problems that he is seeing and being informed of concerning these believers who are scattered abroad. His language is strong because he wants them to understand the seriousness of their wrongful treatment of one another and their disregard for their relationship with God. James, my brothers and sisters, is letting them and us know that a friendship with the world will always cause one to be an enemy of God. James, if I might be granted liberty to paraphrase, exclaims, you've treated sin like a side piece, dipping here and there, being wooed and enticed by your carnal desires. Your jealousy, your selfish ambition, your quarreling, your prejudice, your judgment of others, and your uncontrolled tongues have caused you to sin and commit spiritual adultery against the very God you proclaim to love so greatly. Beloved, what I like about this text is that James does not leave these scattered Christians nor us without hope. The tenor of the text changes from one of warning to one of help and hope. James expounds upon the theme of drawing close to God, drawing close to God. He informs us of what we need to do to ensure that sin is not our side piece. The first thing he tells us, look at the text in verse 7. First thing he tells us is to submit to or humble yourselves before God. Submit to, humble yourselves before God. As the wife is told in Scripture to submit to her husband, we as Christ's bride must submit to him. A believer totally submitted to Christ is not interested in or tempted to commit spiritual adultery because they have singular vision. They have singular vision. My love for God. My love for God. My love for God. Just as Israel was a spiritual adulteress and unfaithful to God, believers are spiritual adulterers when they willfully continue in sin and are the unfaithful bride of Christ. As a believer, you cannot be both a lover of God and a lover of the world. That you, you just cannot do that. You can. James then tells us, look at this, resist the devil and he will flee from us. Now, the only way to resist the devil is to stay committed to and connected to Jesus. John 15, 4 and 5 tells us, remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am, he says, the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. 
Look at this. Look at this. The next thing that James, I'm almost through, y'all. The next thing that James tells us is draw close to God and God will draw close to you. Many believers, because of the side piece attraction to sin, would rather retreat from God and not draw close to him. It's similar to a marriage where the person with the side piece becomes distant from their spouse. They find excuses to stay away from home. They go into work early, have to stay late after work, got this meeting, got that conference, got to go out of town, but you can't come with me. Get your morale, get your morale, get your morale, get your morale, get your morale. By drawing close to God, we are being challenged to look in the mirror and see who we truly are and what we honestly stand for. Drawing close to God causes us to cleanse our hands and purify our hearts. Here's what I have discovered from studying this text. Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ is not interested in just dating you on Sundays and Wednesdays. He wants you to be married to him all day, every day. That's what I, I discovered. That's what I've discovered. The last thing we find in the text is that James tells us to humble ourselves. Watch out now. Humble ourselves. To bow down in total reverence before God and admit our total dependence on him. Well, now I was already preaching until you got to that part. No, no. Like I said earlier, the Bible is not a buffet. We have to take the whole thing. Sometimes, sometimes it's like that castor oil mama gave you. You didn't want to take it? Ran from it? Mama would grab me, put me in a headlock, pinch my nose to open my mouth, throw it down my mouth, fought all the way. But guess what? That castor oil did what it was supposed to do. It worked. It worked. And so that's what we have to do. We have to do that with this humbleness part. We, we've got to humble ourselves. We've got to bow down in total reverence to God and admit our total dependence upon him. When we do this, my brothers and sisters, the promise is that God will do what? He'll lift us up. That's the promise. He will lift us up. Beloved, sin is not your side piece if you follow the words of James in our text. You do not have to be unfaithful to God by being a lover and friend of the world. Charles Spurgeon had another quote that I like. There must be a divorce between you and sin, or there can never be a marriage between you and Christ. You have to divorce yourself from sin if you want to be married to Christ. I'm going to ask you one last time. Look in your mirror. Look in your mirror. Look in your mirror. Who do you see? Who do you see? Who do you see when you look in that mirror? Who 
do you see? Do you see a friend of the world? Or do you see someone who represents the bride of Christ? Who do you see? Do you see a friend of the world? A lover of the world? Or do you see someone who represents the bride of Christ? Who do you see in that mirror? That's a question you have to ask yourself. When I look in this mirror, who am I looking at? Again, like I said, don't just look at your reflection. Look into yourself. Because you know who you are. You know who you are. You know who you are when you turn this television off. You turn off, you turn off this, this, this uh, preaching series. You know who you are. You know who you're going to be tonight. You know. So you cannot fool God. Sin, my brothers and sisters, sin is not your side piece. Quit trying to flirt with sin. Quit trying to hook up with sin. Because all you're going to get is disappointment, hurt. But continue to be in love with God. Continue to have a love affair with God. Continue to make God the lover of your soul. I don't know about you, but I'm in love with Jesus. Are you in love with Jesus? Let's listen to this. We close out this, this teaching. Somebody out there may have heard the word of God for the first time today. We offer Christ to you. We want you to have the same love affair with him that we have. Experience the joy of your salvation. Put aside the worldly things. What has the world given you? Christ has far more to offer you. If you will only accept the call of salvation. We're putting in our chat. We're putting in that chat. If you want to be, Christ has called you. You want to let us know. We're putting in the chat how you can let us know. Today is your day. We say happy spiritual birthday to you today. You need prayer. Our counselors are standing by. You want to let us know that today you've received the Lord as your Savior. Please let us know that. Because what we want you to be able to do is declare just like this song says, I love the Lord. I'm in love with Jesus. Yes, thank you, Lord. Thank you. And he's in love. Hallelujah.
love with Jesus. Are you in love with him today? Yeah, yeah. I'm in love with him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Yeah. Yes, I'm in love with him. I'm in love with him. He's in love. Me you say yes. 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 in love with Jesus. Fall in love with Jesus. I love my wife. God knows I love my wife. But I love my Jesus more than I love my wife. She knows that. She ain't even got a problem with that. See, the problem with some of y'all, y'all get jealous. She mean you love Jesus more than me. Yeah, I do. Yeah, I do. I love Jesus. Do you love Jesus? That's the question that's put before you. Sin is not your side piece. Amen. Praise God. Give God a hand of praise. We are so grateful and thankful that God has given out his word today. All I did was stand up here. That's all I did. He said what he had to say, and I'm so thankful for that. Listen, we want to see you this afternoon at 5 for Pastor's Chat. Let's come together and let's chat a while. Let's talk about some things. Amen. Again, we want to thank our praise team for the, for the beautiful job they did this morning. Thank our brother Scott again for coming with those timely words about this COVID-19. We really needed to hear that. And we just pray that uh, if, you were, if you were, as I said earlier in the sermon, if you were straddling that fence, get it or don't get it, get it or don't get it. Hopefully what Scott has said today will help you to make that decision. We can't make that decision for you. You have to make that decision for yourself. Amen? But we do hope you make the right decision, which is the godly decision. If you can take it, take it. If you can't, we understand. Because we're going to love you anyhow. Amen. So, I'm through. Praise God. Enjoy your day. Be blessed.